It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today, our guest is a unique, captivating, and impressive artist. She's a Canadian vocalist and pianist. Her name is Carol Wellsman. You and the night and the music fill me with flaming desire. Setting my being completely on fire You and the night and the music Thrill me, but will we be one After the night and the music are done Carol, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad that we have this chance to take a journey today and talk a little bit about you and your music. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'm thrilled. You are now living in uh, the Los Angeles area and are originally from Canada. You were born and raised in Toronto, I believe. Uh, yeah, I I came down, uh, well, gosh, I've been kind of all over the place over the years because I went to Berkeley College of Music for, you know, after high school and then met the son of Michel Legrand, who was attending school there. And I wanted to study vocal with his his aunt, Christiane, who was part of the Swingle Singers and the Double Six of Paris. So I eventually got a grant to go over and study with her and went over for six months and stayed seven years. You know, in reviewing your biography, uh, I see that you had mastered uh, at a young age the violin and a bass, and now here you are, a pianist and a vocalist. How did that happen? <laughs> well, um, I come from a very musical family, and I have three brothers. We all studied classical piano. My mother used to teach classical piano before she was married, and so she was all over the fact that we had to complete as much of the conservatory uh, repertoire as we could classically because she felt that that would give us the, the basis to then go in whatever other direction. So I'm really glad that she did that because I'm often complimented on my touch on the piano and that comes right from classical. I grew up in a very musical family, like I said, with lots of instruments at home and everything. And I actually changed high schools when I found out that there was a school in our district that had a, an amazing music program and my grandfather used to play violin. So we had his violin in the house. And I started on double bass, but then we sold our station wagon, so I couldn't bring it home anymore. And I thought, I better, you know, I was in the orchestra at the school. And uh, I thought, I better change instruments here and took up my grandfather's violin. So that's kind of how it happened. And, and it was just so much fun to be able to do so much music every day at school. You know, it sounds like that there was a lot of classical music and influences in your family and being raised in the environment that you were. So where where did jazz start to enter the picture and how did that happen? <laughs> well, I'm an only daughter and everything my dad did, I did because I just adored him and I followed him around everywhere. So he introduced me to all of his music just by osmosis being in the house but I, I'd say in my early teens after I also learned you know the five or six chords on guitar to be able to play around the campfire then I thought I started to hear Duke Ellington, Woody Herman, Count Basie, 
Peggy Lee was his favorite singer, so he played that uh, Beauty and the Beat album with George Shearing on piano. Just all kinds of, uh, uh, Sergio Mendes, Brazil 66, I fell in love with the bossa nova when I was 11 years old. So he would, he started taking me to big band concerts when I was 12. And I saw Woody Herman and Count Basie, and, and I was absolutely riveted by this style of music. What really got me was, I couldn't understand how they improvised. I, I could understand chords when I'd listen to James Taylor or Carole King and people like that, but I, I couldn't understand that whole language of jazz, and I was dying to learn it. Even if I become a pop singer someday, at least I will have learned, I would say, the most sophisticated uh, style of music harmonically. It sounds like even possibly when you were at Berkeley School of Music and you majored in piano performance, that there still wasn't that emphasis on jazz, or is that not correct? By the time I was at Berkeley, it was all jazz. I mean, we had we had to study some of the classical harmony, drop thirds and, you know, five in the bass and things like that. But I was there to learn jazz. Uh, that's exactly what I did. After graduating from Berkeley and uh, you have this piano performance to your credit as a major, when did the vocals begin to surface in your being? Well, actually, it's funny because I, I, I was singing always. I, I, I always accompanied myself on piano from a very young age when I started learning folk songs and things like that. Probably around nine or ten I started really doing the two together. And the only reason why I... I didn't study vocal at uh, Berkeley was because I figured I could probably find a really good vocal teacher anywhere in the world, but I would never have the opportunity that I had at Berkeley to be surrounded by such great musicians and having all the opportunities to play in ensembles. In fact, I, I was accompanying singers in an ensemble. I never sang a note in the ensemble. They didn't know I sang, but I just, I would sing on my own and I got a local gig while I was um, at school three three nights a week on the Boston Common at a beautiful restaurant and so I was practicing my playing and singing thing then but uh, I just wanted to concentrate for the time I was there on really learning the piano. Is there a readily identifiable mentor or inspiration for jazz uh, for you specifically? Well oh boy one of my mentors was Oscar Peterson uh, and he's a fellow Canadian. And I, I would say Keith Jarrett early on, Tanya Maria, Brazilian singer and pianist. I, I was just nuts about her. And in fact, I've, I've sort of adopted some of her styles of improvising and made some changes. And now I I've, I've do my own thing. But so it, it, there's sort of a, a list of, <laughs> mm -hmm. a list of uh, mentors, really. Did you ever get a chance to work with uh, Oscar Peterson? I performed for him. I was receiving an award at the National Jazz Awards in Canada. It was back in the 90s. And I had the opportunity to meet him. Uh, he was seated about six feet from the piano. So I was, I was quite nervous uh, with him being in the audience. But we, we had a lovely meeting that, that evening. And that sort of blossomed into a bunch of things. I, he, I often had long conversations on the phone with him about the music business. He also wrote me a beautiful reference letter for my visa to come to the U.S. But we, no, we never did record together. We did have a plan to record, and then he had a stroke. He was actually a, quite a fan of mine, and I, I was just so grateful to have him in my life because he, he was part of the 
you know, the like just the whole story of how Norman Granz found him while he was taking a cab to the airport in Montreal and heard Oscar playing on the radio and everything. It's just exciting. In a lot of your music as a vocalist, uh, language plays a significant part in your presentation and performance because you are fluent in uh, not only English, obviously, uh, but French, Italian, Spanish. And uh, there's even a recording uh, or two that features Portuguese. Where did all the languages uh, fall into place for you? When I discovered uh, the Sergio Mendes Brazil 66 album in my dad's collection, strangely enough, instead of singing along to, you know, Pretty World or Like a Lover or whatever, I chose Maishkinada and I learned it phonetically when I was 11 years old. And I still remember it today from that time. I was absolutely fascinated with the sound in Portuguese. So, and then I, I had a friend who had done an exchange program in, I think it was France or Switzerland for a year. And her mother came over and was speaking to my mother. And she said, oh, and my daughter's fluent and she's bilingual now. She speaks French and English. And I thought, oh, that's, that's just, I want to be bilingual too. And it was really a, a very conscious decision at a, at a young age to, um, to pursue learning French. Now, being Canadian, we, French is our second language, so it's offered in school, and I was very fortunate to have some great teachers through high school, and then I had the opportunity to study over in Paris. Where did the connection to Japan come into place? Because you did do a number of recordings that were released there. You were quite popular in Japan, and probably still are, obviously. Uh, how did that connection take place? Well, I, uh, I had a manager back in, I guess it was around 2002 or three. I met him and he was, uh, he used to manage Mel Torme and actually really brought Mel Torme's career out of the doldrums and made him into a superstar. And I was fortunate to meet him and the opportunity came up in 2004. They, they introduced me to this jazz promoter that had t brought Mel Torme over to Japan originally. And so Takao, this promoter, had us come over in 2004. And that led to numerous tours. Every two years, we, we, we went back to Japan and have. And we then did a tribute to Benny Goodman with Ken Poplowski on clarinet this was Takao's idea. We co-produced it, actually, and it came out in 2009. And we did 75 concerts over three tours that were sold out every night to 15 to 2,000 seat audiences. These people were nuts about the, the music. So actually, Memories of You from that album, which is just a solo song with Ken Poplowski, has gotten like 7 million plays on Spotify. Your face beams in my dreams In spite of all I do And everything Seems to bring Memories of you Thank you. 
it's it's just it's amazing what's happened with that. So <clears throat> I'm I'm very lucky that the new album has just come out there, but we've done previous productions together with the promoter, a solo album that was number one last year in Japan in sales. So I'm very fortunate. <laughs> During what period of time were you touring Japan? Actually, 2016, this is the longest we've gone without um, being there. We, we would go every, uh, like a 2004, 6, 8, 2009 or 10 would, for the release of uh, Benny Goodman, 2013, again a Benny Goodman tour, and then 2016 was just a du duo tour. And we were booked in May of this year for 11 concerts as a trio and the whole thing got cancelled because of the pandemic. Uh, it, it was really to promote the last album that we that came out last year that did so well and we couldn't go. So we're booked in May of 2021, which is exciting. I hope by, by then everything settles down. So let me ask you about your style, because reviewers have opinions uh, about your style and your sound. But what do you say about your style and sound? The one thing that I've always loved is many different styles of music. I love Brazilian music. I love samba, bossa nova. Now I love salsa music and, and all the traditional Latin rhythms that, that are all over this new album. I love to sing swing. Ballads are, are sort of a, a specialty because as a, as a vocalist, we're, we are storytellers. So um, I've often been told that I'm a good storyteller. And I think that's a very nice compliment because I really try and convey the message in the lyric. So two things that kind of set me apart too are the fact that I play and sing, and there are very few of us really in the, in the grand scheme of things when you think of all the jazz vocalists, there's really a handful that, that play and sing, and uh, at the same time, obviously. And uh, the other thing is, as far as improvisation goes, I, I come more from the Count Basie school of music than, than the Oscar Peterson school in terms of big technique or whatever. I, I'm, I'm more like one thing I've sort of developed. And again, it was it came from Tanya Maria, who used to sing the unisons while she soloed. She would sing the line. I sing the line, but I also do a whole shout chorus of block chords, almost like a big band. And I, I work a lot with triads and, and chords as I'm singing and I sing the top line. So that's something that my saxophonist um, in Canada told me one time years ago. He said, wow, you should really develop that, Carol, because I've never heard anybody do it. So mm. that's something that, you know, a fairly sophisticated ear has to understand. I, I, I don't know. Some of the critics understand it. They've, they certainly do. So I guess that's it. What about scat? How much do you incorporate into your music? I don't scat often without the piano. I do like to improvise. I like to scat. And I can, you know, there's a, a version of Alone Together, and I scat off the top of that. Alone together. Beyond the crowd, above the world, we're not too proud to cling together. We're strong as long as we're together. Alone, together. 
I sing the, the melody and I sing all the harmonies behind as if I were the saxophone player playing fills. So that's kind of unusual. But most of the time, it's, uh, it's something together with the piano. Why is that easier? Well, it, it, because I'm, I'm the pianist in the band. For some reason, it, it sounds sweeter to me. It sounds nice to, um, you know, I could stand up and scat, which I've done. I've, I, I do some numbers standing up in, in my show with the band. And I certainly will scat a chorus on Cheek to Cheek or one of those songs that I'm doing. But when I'm at the piano, it makes more sense to me. And it just sounds nicer to me. And it sounds different. But I, I, I don't know, I guess maybe it's kind of like a security blanket having the piano playing along. Well, but then it's also, I guess, likened to a conversation with yourself. You're responding to yourself. You play a few notes and then you sing the notes and vice versa. That's true. I mean, it's, yeah, they, they, they kind of happen together, but you're right. It, it seems like they, it's, it's like a hand-in-hand -hand thing. And also the, uh, if I can, as this is something I should work much harder on than I do, but often I'll play a third different on the piano. So I'll sing a line and I'll play the third below it and, and try and do a whole line along with the singing. And that is, it's, it's sweet sounding. It's really kind of neat. But obviously you do it well and you do all of the music well. You've got more than a dozen releases to your credit. Let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, the albums uh, that you've released. There are 12, 13, uh, let's see, the, the latest one is the 13th album, is that correct? Mm-hmm. So what about some of the earlier ones? Are, are there some for you that are your best friend or that stand out to you and are, are a true representation of Carol Wellsman? Uh, boy, that's a that's a tough one. Yes, I would say at least five or six of them are pretty true to. I mean, it it, it depends. That's a hard question to answer, uh, and I'll tell you why. Because they're like, for example, if you ask my fans, a lot of them will say, "Oh, lucky to be me." Your first album, it's still my favorite. It was the one album that was done literally A to Z, quartet in the room on the floor no overdubs, nothing. It's just, it's organic and there's a sound and I don't sing in tune all the time and I, and I mess up some lyrics and whatever, but there's, there's some, there's an electricity in that album. There's a warmth that people pick up on and it's got a, just a very good organic sound. Then the next one got a little more complex, inclined, and it and I started to, well, I've always recorded two, uh, one or two original songs on each album as well. Inclined, I had um, an arranger help me with some of the arrangements, which I hadn't done on the first one. There's just more variety on that one, let's say. And a lot of people, like a lot of radio stations, still play that album because of some of the arrangements. And then I did a, an orchestral album in, in honor of my grandfather, who was the founder of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. So I did a Swing Lady Swing album that was with Symphony Orchestra. So that's very thematic. It's very different from, you know, for me just to sing and not play piano. That was a huge experience that I had not uh, ever done before. So, and then moving forward, Journey, the, uh, there was a, and then a, an album produced by Jimmy Haslip. I, it's just so hard to see. It's like, it's like picking your children, like your favorite children or, you know, which ones really stand out. But I can tell you that this latest one really stands out. Oh, I've done two solo albums too for Japan. Uh, but the, this latest one stands out because I literally handed the baton of arranging over to Oscar Hernandez. I didn't do any of the, only one song. I, 
I did a ballad by myself. Well, you certainly are in good hands uh, with Oscar because uh, he is just absolutely amazing, not only as uh, an artist, but as an arranger, as a composer, and just all-around good guy. How did you connect with him? My drummer, Jimmy Brandley, who's originally from Cuba, uh, who's been my drummer for almost 15 years now, suggested him to me. He invited Oscar one night when we were playing at Vibrato at Herb Albert's Club, and uh, I met Oscar then. And when it came up in the fall that we were, you know, Jimmy said to me, I think you should call Oscar, because he really, as much as I'd like to produce the album, he said, he really knows what he's doing, and he's great, and he loves you. He's a fan. So we discussed repertoire, and we just all hit it off. And we started planning as of, I guess, November of last year. And so this is your entree into the world of Latin jazz? It really is, yes. I've done uh, some, I mean, Latin-flavored songs, Again, with Jimmy and Rene Camacho on bass, who has been in my band for years as well, uh, we, we on, our, on my tribute to Peggy Lee album that was released in 2009, some of the arrangements are done with Cajon, with Jimmy playing, and he had a big part in a lot of the rhythms that we chose for that. There was, there's a song that goes through rumba and then cha-cha-cha. So I, it's not like I've, it's my first time, it's, it's my first time doing a complete album of this music, let's put it that way. So you have uh, quite a collaboration underway on this particular album because you not only have Oscar Hernandez, uh, but you also feature uh, Juan Luis Guerra. And he does a, is it a duet with you on one of the tracks? Yes, and it's his song. It's called Si Tu No Bailas Conmigo. I um, met Juan Luis in Santo Domingo uh, in 2017, and we had a wonderful um, afternoon with his band, and we were all jamming and just had a great musical uh, meeting. And we stayed in touch. And when I heard this song of his, I decided to write an English lyric to it because I thought, I said to Oscar, this is such a beautiful song. Could you do a, a nice arrangement for it? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll try out a lyric. So I, I kind of like imitated the, the same theme that he had written in the uh, Spanish version, and I sent it to him around the first of the year. And he wrote a beautiful note back saying, thank you so much for this. It's beautiful. I love that you, you know, captured the nuances and because it's all about pairs of things and dancing, and I hope you dance with me. I then got the nerve up to ask him if he would ever sing a duet with me on it. And he said yes, and the rest is history. flies with the dove a raindrop kisses the flower the moon has stars up above the night is craving a partner the party's down by the sea now is the time to be dancing i hope you dance with me Mm. 
There's also a, uh, a track on there composed by Randy Bachman. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh, that's a whole other story. But we were, I, I was uh, flown to Montreal uh, last November to do a, a special a TV show. And Randy was on the same show. Uh, and I had no idea. I had never met him. And his son, Tal, was also there. And suddenly I'm sitting next to him in the makeup chair. And I turned to him and started to talk to him and tell him that one of my favorite songs by Bachman Turner Overdrive was Looking Out for Number One, which is a, a bossa nova. I said, how do you, you, you're, I said, and she's come undone and all these songs. He looked at me and we made instant friends because he, I, I said, how do you, how do you have that, that bossa nova sensibility as a rocker, like you're a, and he said, wait, and he ran and got his guitar, and he came in, and he started playing, he says, oh, I've got a million songs like that, and he started playing the song, uh, A Taste of Paradise, and I said, I'm recording that. I knew when he went, got up to get the guitar, you know, there have there, been three or four moments like this in my career. One with um, Stevie Wonder, one with Herbie Hancock, and, you know, my favorite people in the world. And this was a moment that I knew, I, I told myself, this, is, this will never happen again. And I turned on my phone and I still have him, his recordings singing. And we were singing She's Come Undone together. And, and it just it was a beautiful moment. It, it's so funny, like you said, you know, how does a guy like you who's a rocker come up with this kind of music? Well, do you know, I know the story because he told me it. He said he was actually studying, I think it was either trombone or trumpet as a child. And something happened. He, he's from Manitoba, from the province of, I think he's from Winnipeg. And he, I don't know why, but when he was going to school as a young boy, uh, either his mother had a job and he wasn't able to go home uh, until she got home, and he sh he was sent to Lenny Bro's house, and Lenny Bro was a great jazz guitarist, and he played the samba and the bossa nova, and it was Lenny Bro who got him interested. So tell me, you've intrigued me now. Uh, what about this thing with Stevie Wonder? <laughs> I know, believe me that that, and I even have pictures to prove it. He was a guest of a friend of mine uh, who used to hold uh, a lot of political front fundraisers at her house in Beverly Hills. And she asked me to come and perform. It was actually for a party for Governor Gray Davis at the time. And Stevie Wonder was going to be the special guest. So I was over the moon and I brought Dave Carpenter, who uh, is the late Dave Carpenter. I brought him uh, on, on bass and we just played as a duo and in walked Stevie Wonder, and he was sort of escorted into the den next to the living room where we were playing. So 
I figured everybody was talking to him and he, he probably wasn't really listening to the music because he was, people were falling all over him. And when he came back into the room, somebody introduced me to him and he whispered in my ear and said, do you speak all those languages too? And I thought, ah, he was listening to the music. And the next thing they said, oh, why don't you do something together? So we, we played my Sharia more. And this is the funny part because for any piano player listening or all the musicians, I asked him what key and he said B. And I said, oh, okay. So I was about to start and then he said, no, C. Because he didn't know that I could play it in B, but that was one thing we learned at Berkeley. You had to learn to play in 12 keys. So Fantastic. anyway, that was it. And, and here's Stevie Wonder playing and singing and we're singing in harmony and he's playing the top part of the keyboard of the piano. And I knew that would never happen again. Well, who knows? Maybe one day there'll be uh, Carol Wellsman and Stevie Wonder release <laughs> coming out uh, to a record store near you. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I wouldn't turn it down, believe me. On Dance With Me, you've got uh, 10 tracks on there. They're, they're all Latin, the traditional Latin rhythms. There, there's, there are boleros. They're famous Latin boleros that uh, a lot of them came from Cuba, and we adapted them into English. So there are boleros, there's a cha-cha-cha, time to dance cha-cha-cha, and then there's a couple of standards like You and the Night of the Music and I Won't Dance, and those were done absolutely with, with all, like, Oscar, Oscar did nothing but Latin arranging. So the beauty of this album, in my opinion, is that it is a Latin album, like it's a Latin jazz album from beginning to end. So, and we've kept within that tradition. What do you see on the horizon for you? <laughs> I haven't thought about that because I am so busy trying to, I mean, just this morning we, um, I, I was sent all the pictures of the beautiful displays in, in the, in the um, record stores in Tokyo because it just came out in Tokyo and there's, uh, you know, Carol Wellsman and, and then disc two is Pat Metheny or Nora Jones and it's, it's, I, I'm just trying to digest all of this. Um, so in a sense, I'm, I'm still in complete promotion mode of, of this album and uh, I, I haven't had a, ch a chance to even think about something in the future. There is a project though, if, if I may share this with you, and it's very unusual and it involves a man named Jeremy Lubbock. And Jeremy Lubbock was, uh, is, uh, he was much more active in previous years. He is one of the, the top string arrangers in the world. He's, uh, I remember when Johnny Mandel, when I told Johnny Mandel that Jeremy had moved to South Africa, he said, oh, well, that's good. I've got less competition now. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy what we did arranging for Barbara Streisand and Tony Bennett and, and Andy Williams and Michael Jackson. And he worked with all the greats. And he worked very closely with David Foster for many years. Jeremy, I went to see in South Africa uh, in 2017. And ever since, the, the year following my visit, he sent me a song a week. And I would sing his demos for him. And I would send them back to him. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, he's going to be 90 in June of 2021. And I am bound and determined to do a whole album, a solo album of his songs that have never been heard. And they're gorgeous. It's like listening to Great American Songbook. Each one is a treasure. So that's my goal. Carol, thank you for joining us today on All That's Jazz. It's been a pleasure today to uh, learn more about you and your music. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz, featuring Canadian vocalist and pianist Carol Wellsman. Our thanks to Ben Sidron for our theme song, Mr. P's Shuffle. Join us for our next episode featuring Ken Schaphorst, a composer, performer, and chairman of the Jazz Studies Department at the New England Conservatory in Boston. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the app you used to listen to us. We are available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app. Also Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.